If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. This is another of our popular listeners' choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the listeners' choice winner. If you're not sure how the listeners' choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's guest is Robert Moffat. Robert's a show jumping specialist, trainer and coach. He loves to bring on young horses and take them to a top level and he's competed at Grand Prix and World Cup level. How are you, Robert? I'm well, thanks, Glennis. Yourself? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Now, Robert, your favourite quote, you said you've got a couple. What quotes have you got for us? Well, I think I think the first um, quote that sort of resonates with me fairly well with regards to horses is um, the quick way is the slow way, and and that's something that um, George, you know, I think I think George Morris was one of the, or it was come through his sort of system that I heard it, and yeah, it just really resonated with me that you know, this, it's just as he's saying, there's no. There's no shortcuts, you know, there's no, you know, generally if you try to shortcut something with with the training or, or with horses in general, um, you'll you know, it'll be slower in the in the long run. So I think that's just what it's saying there is that, you know, the quick way is the the slow way and the right way. So Okay. Okay. And what age do you think you were when you actually learnt that? You know, because sometimes it takes a bit of maturity and a bit of Riding experience to work that one out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think you sort of. Um, I've been very very lucky with my upbringing that it's um, you know been generations of horsemen that I've been brought up with through my dad's family off side. So I've been very fortunate to um, to be brought up around in around horses um, in various disciplines. So, um, but I think. That probably really, um, you know, I realised that um, probably midway through my twenties a little bit. I mean, when you're a bit younger, younger, you're sort of um, you're pretty keen to everything happen uh, straight away, and it's that's you know it's not the case with horses. It definitely teaches you patience, and the, yeah, old, sure. the older and more experience you have with horses, it, it, that you know that that quote is very true. It just seems to yeah, count every day with everything you do with training. Yeah. Yep, yep. Now, tell us about one of your early memories, you know, sort of growing up in a horsey family, but just something that might have happened when you were younger, you know, that, that really sticks in your memory. Well, I think one of my earliest earliest memories would have been, you know, we we're on a family property here um, on the Southern Darling Downs. It's, it's probably... You know, going mustering, riding the ponies with with my father and my other siblings. I've got five other, four other siblings. Sorry, two older sisters and two older brothers. And everybody rode. So um, when everybody was around and free, you know, everyone pitched in and helped. And probably, probably one of my earliest 
uh, childhood memories with regards to horses is, um, yeah, we all just, just going out mustering and I was probably pretty young at the time because I'm pretty sure I was still on a lead behind my father, so yep. he was leading yep. the pony along and that's pretty much how we, we learned to, to sit on in the in the early days. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then from, from there, um, uh, we were used to do the show show events at the local shows, so mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel um, <laughs> I feel very privileged at the work that my parents did with um, five kids, five ponies, all going to the show, all competing yeah. in yes. all different events, and so how yeah, they. How they juggled that, I'm not sure, but we were very, very fortunate that uh, yeah, we had had the upbringing we did, and we've always encouraged to to ride in the show ring events first, and then obviously we did a few novelty events and all all that type of thing. But the the basis of our of all our riding, dad dad was probably more of a stronger influence there. Um, yeah. yeah, he he instilled in us. You know, we had to sit properly on a horse, you know, the basics um, position-wise. And even if we were riding out, uh, when I was a little bit older, you know, we'd be riding home and might be getting tired at the end of the day and you'd ride past and give you a little poke in the ribs and say, hey, boy, sit up here at the end. So it was very, yeah, and it's and it was, it was we were quite lucky to have that and still did us early, yep. no matter, you know, what type of riding we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. When you were at the shows, were you show jumping then or when did you actually start competing show jumping? Um, I probably got keen on the show jumping around the age, you know, around the age just sort of maybe 11 or 12, mm-hmm. I think, from memory. Yep. Um, now, early, early on, we didn't specialise in anything. We did. We had a, we should have had one pony and that pony did everything. So when in the hack passes, it, uh, we in the novelties and, and, you know, obviously did a few few little rounds of show jumping here and there through Pony Club, but it sort of, I more or less followed um, my eldest siblings' footsteps um, into the show jumping because they were in, a little bit older, sort of, Rich and Michelle sort of five or six years older than me, so they, they were doing a uh, fair quiet bit of show jumping in a, in a high school in my days when it just kicked off, question um, and um, I guess I just sort of followed in their footsteps and, yeah, around the age of 12 or so I would have started and then once um, both of those uh, brother and sister finished sort of with their horses and moved on to careers, um, I got the hand-me-down, so it was quite convenient. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, what about coaching? Were you always going to be a show jump coach? Were you always thinking along those lines? Or what made you decide to start teaching and working with horses and, you know, doing it in a lot bigger way than just going to the local shows? Was that always a career thing from when you were 11, 12, or was it something that happened later? Not, it wasn't, wasn't anything I thought of a career path um, that early on. Um, it was more... I just um, I got a lot, a lot of enjoyment out of show jumping and and I seemed to seem to be quite quite good at it really I was quite competitive I've always been competitive so um, and yeah I, I quite enjoyed it and was I was you know okay at it so um, yes the other sort of school sports didn't really um, didn't really tickle my fancy really swimming all the athletics I wasn't I wasn't terribly fast though so the only Really, um, 
a good sport I was good at was was with the horses. So um, that's sort of what I was I was drawn to, and um, yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, career career wise, the coaching part of it, um, I think it was. I think it was sort of a, just a, a secondary outcome that happened, sort of following the path into show show jumping, and uh, I left school reasonably young at um, fifteen, and I did odd jobs and worked worked on the farm for quite a while, and then um, ventured on, and I based myself at um, David Finch's place near Toowoomba, and I spent yes. several years there. And, mm-hmm. um, I think it was just through. You know, having a passion for the horses and and the show jumping itself, and the knowledge I'd acquired by you know travelling overseas quite young as well, it just um, it just seemed a natural progression that all of a sudden just started happening. That I yeah started the coaching and of course went through you know the NCIS um, scheme and things uh, got a qualification and it just seemed it just seemed a natural progression that that, that happened with the training and gathering knowledge that as as you learn you there was there was others that wanted to learn of what you know you'd learn in your experience so it was just a natural progression I think it wasn't something I'd, I'd locked in and planned to do so to speak mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I'm sure David gave you a great start as far as the coaching goes, but what do you think if you were going to employ someone to work in the horse industry, what sort of core skills or character traits would you want them to have? I think I think one of the character traits is, you know, you have to be, you have to be very, everyone knows that works in the horse industry, you have to be very keen, mm-hmm. you have to be very passionate about it because if you're, to be honest, if you're in the horse industry just as a job, you're, you're not probably going to to enjoy it. Um, but it, it's really got to be a passion that that um, you know you live and breathe it of each day. I think, and I think one of the things is you've got to be very open-minded to, to what you can learn off off different people. I think you can. I, I mean, I used to do track work as well as. Um, Whilst I was based near former there, David as well, and, and you can learn, you learn, you used to learn different, you know, um, skills off off the people at the, of the racetrack as well, the racehorse trainers. You know, it's not just even though you're specialising in one area, you, you know, the horse, the horse industry, you can you can learn anybody in in any discipline that's um, that you can relate back to your own training and and mindset and to to what you're doing with your own horses so I think you have to be really open minded and and willing to give, give anything a go and sometimes sometimes the, the lessons you learn uh, are not you know um, a little bit different to what you what you think as in you know you're not learning a, a lesson off someone that says well this is how you should do do something and uh, sometimes it doesn't quite work out and you 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 know, you may second guess, second guess that sort of analogy that you learnt, and then it may work, or it may not, or you know, it may come into play later on down the track. It, it it's a anything education; it never stops. So sometimes it'll it's um, comes in and out of your life in different ways. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think is the best thing about working with horses, show jumping, being in the horse industry? Oh, I think the the best thing for me is the, just the enjoyment I get out of um, the process for me is like, um, you know, you're training at home through the, you know, through dressage and jump gymnastics and just working with another mind and it's it's challenging, but it's also extremely rewarding when everything, you know, starts to fall into place. It's, I think that's that sort of aspect of it is what... Um, what I really enjoy about mm-hmm. working working with with horses in the industry, but also get you know a lot of satisfaction now out of you know sharing sharing my knowledge as well and seeing you know students go through a process and achieving you know their goals and outcomes as well. That's 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 extremely satisfying as well. Yep, yep. And then thinking about people who've helped you, you know, because you've talked about George Morris, you've talked about David Finch. Who else has helped you along the way? Um, I think, you know, Vicky, Vicky Roycroft has, has been a big um, a big mentor sort of later on in life, I think. I think mainly the one thing I learned from when I was based, based down there from her is just the, you know, to be, you know, obviously she's, she's an Olympian. She's she's pretty much ticked, ticked every box through mm. the tick. Um, yes. With regards to achievements, um, but I mean, she she really installed a lot of discipline in the way that she she does things, and, and that really, um, you know, that was that was something that I was well, I wasn't really lacking, but something that I hadn't seen it was that intensity before. I don't think, and that sort of made you know really made me realise that you know if you want to be consistent and stay you know competitive and elite level, you know, you have to. You know, this is the level you have to be, and you have to you have to work at it, and, and you really have to have a lot of self-discipline there. Um, I think a big part of my learning experience has been through Vicky and introduction to George Morris through her. That was a that was a big game changer for me. Mm-hmm. I think um, with she was uh, riding at the elite level, World Cup level. I think that was um, hugely beneficial for my. Um, for furthering my career. My dad had a huge influence as well, especially early on. Okay. Yeah, he's just the way, you know, his horsemanship skills and and things that he installed in myself and, and my other siblings. Is, um, I think something that I've now realised uh, from the background I've come from was very for- fortunate and something I'd probably taken for granted and never really thought about because there's various ways of, you know, people being introduced to the industry or to horses and and my wife then come from a very different background where um, you know they didn't they were in the urban urban area on the central coast down New South Wales and you know they didn't have space for horses and they went to riding schools and you know they got into, involved in horses that way so it was um, yeah learning different experience you know how people get into the Horse industry is um, it can be very different for a lot of people, but I'm I'm very fortunate and realise now that um, it was it was a very gifted upbringing in that way. Yeah, yeah. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry 
if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. I know you've ridden and competed on quite a few horses, but what's a horse that you think's influenced you and helped you in your career? Who do you think's been the most influenced? Well, I'd say probably I had a, had a horse that um, Jeanette Allen Williams. Yes. Bent down to me, they they bred a lot of horses there up there in central Queensland. It, it's Ritke and he's quite a difficult sort of a horse. And I was, was sure of a horse at the time. And he'd, he'd been the young young horse stuff and he'd sort of jumped up to sort of 120 level. And but he, you know, he had a few he had a few issues, so he was spelled in the paddock. And and they sent him down to me, and he was probably one of the most influential horses. And I'm glad I was at the age. Where I got him because um, you had to be had to be quite young and keen to ride him because he could he could he could buck he could he could do anything he was um, quite a challenge but he taught me a lot in the fact that um, taught me a lot of tact with horses and it was you know the horse that didn't didn't like to go in a structured way you know he didn't follow any rules of you know the classical method of training he he. He wasn't interested in, in that, and so it was. It was a little challenge at first to get him going, but we, you know, we found we found ways around it, and and I pretty much just let him think that he was doing what he wanted to do whilst I was I was getting a result, which was the best way that I could I could explain it really. But he taught me a lot. He was a very scopy horse. He did have a lot of technique in jumping. But he was extremely scopy and he was reasonably careful and, and I I finished up jumping and winning many Grand Prix with him and won my first World Cup at Brisbane Royal with him. And yeah, I think, you know, he could jump a puissance like a normal fence. He could you know, I think there was they don't really have many puissances these days, but there was three puissances on a circuit up here. There was Toowoomba and I think there was in Brisbane and each one he jumped over two metres ten. I think he, he was quite extraordinary the amount of power he's had. And I haven't I haven't ridden a horse with as much power as, as as he had. So when he was when he wanted to be naughty when he was when we first sort of started our relationship it was um you didn't you didn't stand much chance, put it that way. <laughs> He would, he would, he would unload you quite easily if he if he wished. But um, we sorted out those issues relatively early on. And but he, I think the main thing he taught me is um, why the classical scale is so important. Um, and that's something that um, I try to instill, instill in, in in all my young horses when I start them off. Is just the basics is is why it's so important because he was sort of very difficult to train the basics too and even though we had a lot of success and there was you know when you would come to a very technical course and where rideability and and you know you had to fall back on that classical training 
I was quite difficult with him, and I think that's most likely the main thing, the lesson he taught me. But he he gave me amazing opportunities, um, you know, as, as a young young team to start jumping in bigger level and bigger classes. And um, so he's probably opened the door for me in a lot of ways. I think. Um, okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But another, I think the other. Other horse that he's still going now, but um, was um, the Vicar that I used to ride. Now a young young rider down in Sydney um, rides him. He was he was another horse, I think, but um, but he was terrific. It's quite the opposite. He was he was technique and scopy, and he loved training. He's just always a always a pleasure to please. So, but he was, I think, I was quite proud of that horse because I sort of broke him in. You know, as a young young horse, you know, started him under saddle, and and we took him all the way through to to World Cup level, and and um, you know, gaining a CAC qualification for the World Equestrian Games, and yep. I think there were Australian yep. Championships in twenty fifteen or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's probably probably being a, the main influential jumping horses, I'd say for sure. What do you think your proudest moment's been? Uh, probably, well, one of them was the one I just mentioned with Viduka. I think you know, starting a horse from yep. from the very beginning and and having it all the way through, and and you know to jump it, you know, and I think he was only an eight year old then. The Australian Championships when we when we achieved that, that was you know, even though he he won probably more classes than than than, than Richie did, but um, that moment. Just getting those, you know, the qualification and the and the, the size and the the scope of that the course on that day, and it was quite difficult. It was, you know, in the way he uh, he just seemed to, to jump at effortlessly was was a huge achievement. And um, I'd say yeah, that, that's probably one that one that I look back at is probably one of my proudest moments in the sport. Um, yeah, yep. I'd say yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, thinking about where you are now, you're riding, competing, coaching, bringing on young horses. What do you think is your biggest challenge bringing you up to where you are now? Oh, I'd have to say my biggest my biggest challenge was, I think, um, the end of um, 2013. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2014. I had a, I had a, you know, an accident off a horse, unfortunate accident where the horse went down, and I had a severe injury to my to my lower part of my leg, my foot, and my ankle was pretty much demolished, was pretty much crushed. So that was probably my biggest biggest challenge. It took me a long time to get over, and at one stage there, I, I ended up with this severe infection. At one stage, it was. There was thought that you know they might have to they operated on it so many times in a short space of time. There was you know I thought that I may even lose it, lose it. So that was that was a real awakening. You know you that was, and it was a challenge because I to be honest with you I didn't know at that time whether whether I would actually ride again or not. It was um, yeah that was probably the most challenging part about you know not where you so far was probably that, that injury that not knowing. When I was going, if and when I was going to ride again, mm-hmm. um, eventually I did, and it was mainly, you know, I think at some point in my recovery, I was just like, I was just like, you know, I sort of just 
told myself that, you know what, I'm I'm just gonna ride, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm gonna ride. So mm-hmm. I just focused, you know, all my energy into that and things progressively got better, but it, yeah, that was probably the biggest challenge because you know, my riding changed a bit because I was off the horse for nearly I didn't walk for nearly six months, so I was off the horse for quite a bit longer. And coming back um, was was extremely difficult when I was sitting on the horse, but I was very very fortunate. I had some some great friends. Um, from there, Shane Damon, he actually at the time the dude was shortlisted for the Olympics, but I pretty much knew that was that was sort of born with the injury. But the one thing that kept me going was you know, Shane offered, oh, I'll take your horse, I'll keep him riding fit. So mm-hmm. whenever you think you you know you want to want to get back on and have a ride, and and um, which that was. That was fantastic. So a lot of friends supported me and, and helped me out with various different things. And I eventually got back on the horse. And I think, um, you know, I'd, I'd never been so happy to jump. The, when, once I finally got to the show, I think in first class, I jumped in my 120 class on him on, on that horse. And yep. he jumped clear and I felt like I'd won a Grand Prix. <laughs> feeling actually, but I was only a small class. But I was just like, I was happy I stayed on and, foot held up but it has definitely changed a lot of things in my life because uh, there's a lot of you know riding is very physical mm. so you know to make a good amount, amount of money to make it viable you have to be riding you know 10 12 horses a day plus doing coaching and stuff and you know my um obviously my my body is you know i can i can ride comfortably five five or six in the morning and it, and it's fine but um that's that's a, that's about my limit for now i'm not sure whether i'll get get any get any better or not but uh, we're working on it and um yeah that's that's probably been my biggest biggest challenge and now I've, i'm always conscious um of because uh, i've lost a lot of movement people and everyone knows you know your lower leg is such a such an important um, especially when you're show jumping, um, you know there's little little challenges there because obviously um, I get my wife has a go at me all the time because I ride in uneven stirrups because my, <laughs> my right ankle moves about a, a third of what the other one moves. So it, um, there's a few challenges there, but um, we, you know, it's something I don't uh, consciously think about when I'm riding anymore, which is. Which is good, which is pleasing. So whilst that's um, not happening, I think everything's everything's good. Yep, yep. What would you say to someone who's had, oh, maybe an injury, maybe another life change, and they've ridden at an elite level, and then they've had to have a break, and they're thinking about getting back in and riding again? What What would you say to them? Um, I think well, every every person's journey is going to be a little, little bit different, but I think the main thing is is just you know to not have so much expectation on yourself. Um, as soon as I dropped the expectation on myself, you know, because you know at the first point I was like, you know, I want to get back to how I was riding before the accident, and, and more I focused on wanting to get back on exactly how I was riding before. You know, the little more down you got because it, you know, it just felt so far away. And you know things things progress in a in a slow in a slow manner. So I think I think just not having too much expectation on me at time and just setting yourself small simple um, goals on where you want to get to with your recovery. Like you know when 
when you want to get back on the horse and do what you want to do, but you know, don't sort of say, I want to get back on the horse in a couple of months and then in the next three weeks, I want to be back riding World Cup level. You know, it's, you sort of make those unrealistic goals and expectations, you, you know, you're going to get disappointed. So I think that would probably be my main advice is just leave expectation out of it and set yourself, you know, small, smart goals that, that are achievable in a, in a time frame. And, you know, once you find yourself slowly ticking those off, you know, it becomes, you know, you start, you know, the positivity starts to build and you start to, um, you know, you start to really feel good about your recovery rather than thinking it, you know, it's, um, you know, it's an impediment. So. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Yeah. Thinking about coaching and, you know, going out, coaching students, doing a clinic, what's a common fault that you see with young show jumpers that are coming on or, or even more people who are already out competing and doing a fair bit? What differences do you see between young show jumpers coming on and then experienced jumpers wanting to just go up to a higher level and get more experience? I think I think some something the seems to be the young younger kids come through focused. Um, oh, well, not all of them, obviously. Some of them are different than others, but I think there's a lot of. Um, Especially with with the way social media is, and everyone posts up um, results, and, and you know, just let everyone know how they're going or what they're doing. It seems to be a, you know a lot of pressure to look over the fence at, at, at you know what another peer is doing. You know whether they're jumping in another class or higher, or they're or they're winning more. I think I think the one thing I find is yeah, especially young young students, is, you know, rather than just focusing on their progression and their goals and what they want to focus on themselves, you know, sometimes and everybody's everybody's guilty of it, I'm guilty of it as well you look over the fence to someone else and you, you know, you start comparing your, yourself to them and that's the first thing, you know, that'll get and then all of a sudden you think, well, I'm not achieving as much as as much as the next person and I mustn't be doing anything right and, but I think that's one thing if young people, if, if, when main person you're riding against is yourself you know it's all about you know progression not necessarily results so if you look back you know on if you look back on a student or what they're doing what they were doing you know six months to prior from now you know if you remind them all of a sudden they're like well yeah okay you're right i was i was nowhere near doing what i'm doing now six months prior you know, that's that's the standard you should be comparing yourself to is, is your own progression and uh, especially in young, young students, I think, um, you know, if they have that mindset a little more, um, it helps a lot more with going forward and and learning, learning therefore. Yep. Yeah, they're on, yeah. Um, with, with, more, with more advanced riders, I mean, I mean, you can, if, if you really want to, you can pick a fault in any rider. Everybody's got faults. Uh, no, no one person's, person's perfect, but I think with the older riders, most most of them have got the got the experience and knowledge, and 
and I think it's just something that, you know, we all need eyes on the ground to, to just pick out your flaws and say, hey, well, you know, you should be you should be doing this or you just got to be careful to watch out the body here or you, everybody needs eyes on the ground. And I, I, um, I quite enjoy getting getting lessons and, and coaching myself. I, I find it uh, very satisfying even if you're getting told what you don't want to hear. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it's something I think with the older eyes, no matter how good you are, you have to leave your ego out of it and, and um, yeah, take on constructive criticism whenever you can. What about books, Robert? Have you got a book that you could recommend to our listeners, just something that's going to complement their training, complement their riding? Yeah, I sort of read a few books in the past. But I quite like, I quite, you know, like reading, reading articles. And um, but one of one of George Morris books, I think, uh, I think it's called Because Every Round Counts. I think it's like a fifth. 50 Best Articles from the Chronicle of the Horse American Magazine, I think. Okay. Um, I read that a while, a while back. It was quite, um, you know, there was lots of different topics he talked about and, you know, because of the snippets of of um, articles over a long period of time, there was, a, there was everything, that, everything in there that um, I think you'd find interesting. We've had, um, you know, people recommend George Morris as an author, but I'm just not sure... We've had that one before, but we'll certainly put it on our list of um, of books. What's the biggest thing that you got out of that list of articles? I think it's just just mainly his, you know, the the way he teaches and his scale and he's, and he's so, you know, adamant with the classical style of training. And, and it probably comes back to, you know, um, being being disciplined in your riding and your approach to your riding, mm-hmm. and mainly. Um, yeah, pro, you know, the uh, practice makes perfect is, um, or perfect practice. Yep. Makes perfect. <laughs> makes perfect. It's, yep. You know, yep. It's, um, it's really what it's about. You know, it's not easy. It doesn't, it, you know, you have to work at it every day. So, and it's, it's an ongoing progression. I think that's the, that's the main thing that, uh, that, that resonates with me. Thinking of ongoing progression, what are you looking forward to now? Um, I'm really looking forward to and excited about a young young stallion of mine, Sierra Brisbane. He's um, um, quite excited about him. He's, he's six year old and he's just sort of stepping up to to doing some one one twenty track now. And um, yeah, I've bought I've bought him as a uh, two year old of Kerry Parker, and you started him under saddle um, myself, and we've. So he's he's probably the next the next horse that will um, hopefully be um, jumping in the in the Grand Prix in the not too distant future. Um, he's probably the most ex- exciting one in the stable. But at the moment, probably the most exciting thing um, for me, separate from horses, is um, going to be in June, uh, July. Actually, Sammy and I expecting. Baby boy, so oh, congratulations. The most ex- yeah. Thank you. That's probably the most exciting thing mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to in the not too distant future. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah no, that's good. Okay, and now just in a couple of sentences, can you sum up your philosophy with horses, with training, jumping? Well, I think, I'm not sure when it's a philosophy, but I think it's always, you know, you've got to wait for the horse. I think that's a big one. And, you know, you've got to... 
you got to think of the horse first. Every horse has has a different um, different way of developing in a different time frame in their development, as, as do riders as well. Uh, I think the main thing is to be very conscious about you know your own horse's progression, mm-hmm. um, where you know how it's progressing along the way, not comparing it to another five or six year old or seven year old, or you know I think just concentrating on on your own horse and where it's at and just remembering, you know, Rome wasn't good in the day. It takes, it takes time. It takes years. So it's, and consistency is a big, a big thing too. You, know, you yeah. have to be, you yeah. have to be consistent. You have to have whatever system you, you're following with, with your coach or your, or people who help you, you have to have um, consistency in a system to, to, to achieve, you know, outcomes, I believe. Okay. And lastly, Robert, how can people contact you? Well, that's probably the easiest way at the moment is through uh, Facebook, through Moffat Equestrian. Mm-hmm. Um, we have mm-hmm. a page on the on Facebook there. That's probably the easiest easiest way. Those details also will be on horsechats.com slash Robert Moffat or go to horsechats.com and search for Robert. So we'll put your, um, your details and that link to your Facebook page as well so if people want to contact you. They'll be able to. I've got to say thanks for your time today, Robert, and thanks for your openness about your injury and coming back. You know, I think that's something for people to look at because I'm sure there's other people that are in a situation where they think, oh, you know, well, I won't. I What can I do? How can I be supported or, or what's sort of the mindset? So I think you'll help people there. So we'd love to have you back some other time, Robert, and talk about some of those details in a little bit more depth. That would be brilliant. Not, not a problem, thanks for uh, the invitation. Good to talk to you. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.